Blog Talk Radio. Firefly Willows L.I.V.E. presents The Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist, featuring your hosts, Heisey Luckmers and Charlie Harrington. The Amethyst Oracle. Delve into life, death, and everything betwixt between and beyond. Between and beyond. Between and beyond. The Amethyst Oracle. Divination with a queer twist. And now, here are your hosts, Charlie Harrington and Heisey Whitmuller. And welcome to the show. <clears throat> oh, sorry about that. Thank you for joining us. My name is Hi C, and you have found yourself once again listening to the Amethyst Oracle. Charlie and I joining you every month on the second Tuesday of each month. I will remind you that you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Amethyst Oracle. We welcome you there to like the page, comment, ask questions, offer insights into something that either you hear us talking about or if it's something to do with a reading or something like that and you have additional comments or uh, insights about that, we welcome you to share those with us. You can always find past shows if you would like to check out some of the other guests that we have had um, by either going to the Blog Talk archives or you can find us on iTunes. Uh, just do a quick search for uh, Firefly Willows Live. But here's a secret. We'll be in the process of changing the name of our channel. Um, you can either look for Firefly Willows. You can look up the name of any of the shows, Amethyst Oracle, or any of the other shows, uh, and that will be perfectly fine. Uh, you can email us if you would like to, theamethystoracle at gmail.com. And I will also remind you that Every show you have a chance to get a reading live on the air. Uh, so if you would like to get into the queue in order to do that, then you can either connect in from the show page or you can call 646-716-5510 and that will get you into the queue. So I am going to go ahead and welcome my esteemed co-host, Charlie Harrington. Well, hello there, friend. How are you doing? I am doing well. Apparently my throat has decided to sound funny tonight. But I... What do you mean tonight? <laughs> oh, well, I see where I'm this sorry. is going already. <laughs> a mere minute or two into the show. Well, well, well. <laughs> I want a good clean fight. No <laughs> no scratching, no sniffing. Anyway, uh, how... No earrings. Yes, yes. No, only uh, approved accessories on the Amethyst right. Oracle. Hopefully, you had a so, good holiday. Well, it's it's that time of the year, December, when if you're into divination, it can be a little uh, stressful because all of the January is great. January is all about new possibilities and 
new opportunities and laying foundations. But December tends to be the like, what do we need to not do anymore? What do we where where did we fall short? What did what what were the things and behaviors that are do not serve us? In that maybe I'm doing it wrong, but that's I don't know my 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 interpretation of like that early December time period is the for for the spiritually minded tends to be about evaluation and self criticism. Well, I'm just going to toss in here that you might also either be picking up on and maybe this is just typical for you every year around this time that you find, but especially this year. Um, mm-hmm. We've just go and come into in astrology. We've just come into a Neptune square Saturn, which is going to go through next fall. And one of the big themes for that is the willingness to completely let go of and to walk away from, in order to be able to fully move forward towards um. something. So it's not a surprise that that would be something that maybe you're noticing or seems to be even more part, more. Uh, coming up more for people uh, right now. But it, it is kind of a strong theme that's kicked into high gear. It kicked in really as of Thanksgiving Day. Um, so it's not really a surprise that you would bring that up. Uh, but I just thought I would say that's a general weather pattern that is starting to move in and move through for the next year. So you may find more of that with people. And- with the speed of objects that are farther from the sun being what they are, so the outer planets like Neptune and Jupiter, the, when they do something in astrology, it takes a long time to resolve typically, right, I see? Is that accurate? Uh, yes. Um, the outer planets, Neptune, Uranus, and Pluto, tend mm. to be more about the collective effect. So it's it's energies mm. that are affecting all of humanity, um, I mean, certainly we can look at charts to figure out how they're affecting us personally, but they tend to have more of that broader scope of effect. Uh, so um, Jupiter and Neptune would be medium planets, if they're not the outer well, planets? Well, well, Neptune, Uranus, and Pluto are all outer planets. Ah, uh, okay. Um, you know, I think I think what you actually are meaning is uh, Jupiter and Saturn. Um, those are the, the medium those, planets. Those are the two furthest out. But really what that means is they tend to have longer periods of time that whatever they're doing is having an effect because their orbits are bigger, therefore they move mm-hmm. slow, move more slowly um, mm-hmm. through the houses and, and signs. So, you know, that can be, when you see things that are about that, then there's a sense of, oh, this is going to be something that's going to be going on for a while versus the moon, for example, where it changes signs every couple of days. So we move through that effect fairly quickly, uh, you know, during its cycle. Um, But these, the, the further planets like Jupiter and Saturn are going to usually indicate something that's more of a theme for the next few months or in this case a year. Um, You know, so that, that's how I would differentiate that. But the outer planets that you're asking about, are really the Neptune, Uranus, and Pluto. Um, those are ones where they have a bigger effect on the collective. And the Saturn and inward are planets that tend to be more personally oriented. Got it. But the key would be to look at somebody's chart or our own chart and see what 
houses, especially what houses um, Neptune and Saturn in this particular case are transiting or moving through because that would tell us what areas of our life are most particularly going to be affected by what's going on with the square between them over the next year. I understand. And so how about you, Heisey? What's what's going what's orbiting you these days in your uh, in your little in your world? Uh well, you know, um the weekend before Thanksgiving had a bit of a unexpected death in my life. Oh, um, that's right. With a uh right. a teacher, mentor, friend, Richard Reedy, who passed away suddenly. Um and so he had left in writing that I was to be responsible for the religious portion of the funeral services. Uh, so I since that's the Egyptians, I think they they have the most elaborate uh, funeral services of any uh, civilization in the history of the planet. Am I right? Well, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not going to necessarily claim that, but certainly they can be involved. Let us say. But one thing that. I and a few other people that are part of the, the group that I am uh, involved with that do the comedic, the Egyptian work, um, one of the things that we kind of noticed, because we were there, we, we did our portion first, and then they had what they called the secular portion of the funeral, which is more what people are used to, like people getting up and speaking or singing or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and one of the differences that we really noticed uh, was I had I had made a comment that funerals in in our society are really more for the living mm-hmm. because everything is focused on you know the 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 people who are still living their remembrances and things to do that make them feel better uh and that kind of thing um and this came up because there was this thing about whether the family was going to allow the wishes of my friend to be honored cuz he had left very specific wishes for the religious part and all of that, and his family is more Orthodox Christian. Um, But, you know, noticing the difference really was that our society and the way we tend to do funerals and things um, are much more for the living. And the Egyptian rituals and the Egyptian things, they're all about the dead. You know, I mean, the whole ritual is about... um, doing things and recitations and prayers and different things um, that are all for the person who has died and their ba, their soul. Mm -hmm. There's nothing about the living. I mean, you know, we're just, we're just the pawns. We're just there to say the words and to do the actions, but everything is, is focused on the person who has died. Whereas in, in our society, it seems to be much more about, uh, the focus is on the living and how to what do we do to feel better? How do we move on? How you know and all of that kind of thing. So it was just an interesting observation. It's not that there's anything necessarily right or wrong in that. Just it was an interesting observation of the mm-hmm. very stark difference in the focus and the approach that is taken. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so, but I think that that actually is an appropriate topic to have mentioned, considering our guest and what we will be talking about this evening. Yes, we're very fortunate to have Devin Hunter on the show this evening, and he uh, does a lot of speaking with the deceased, the departed, the bereft of life, the, 
gosh, I'm trying to do the Monty Python skin. I can't do it. But anyway, um, <laughs> so he would be able to touch on what it is the dead need, what is the dead ask for and uh, complain about. <laughs> so I'm really looking and, forward to uh, talking about that, but also about what it means to be a medium and what to do if you think you're a medium. And and maybe even more generally, just mm-hmm. tips and tricks for you know mm-hmm. connecting and recognizing when the mm-hmm. other side is trying to communicate with us or um, somehow interact with us in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, well, since since we have given that tease, shall we go ahead and move towards our conversation with, as we would like to say in the description, with professional medium author and modern witch Devin Hunter? Let's do. All right. Devin Hunter is a professional witch and the resident resident house house medium at the Mystic Dream in Walnut Creek, California. He holds third-degree initiations in both the Northern Star tradition of Wicca as well as the Dianic tradition of witchcraft. And he is also the founder of his own tradition, Sacred Sacred Fire. His AV Club favorited podcast, The Modern Witch, has helped thousands of people from all over the world discover and develop their magical abilities. Devin is currently teaching with the Black Rose School of Witchcraft and is also the reigning master of ceremonies at the New Orleans Witches Ball. His first book, The Witches Book of Power, will be released Spring of 2016 from Llewellyn Worldwide. So flap your hats and bang on your cauldrons and join me in welcoming Devin Hunter to the show. And welcome, 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 Devin Hunter. Are you there, Devin Hunter? Hello, Devin Hunter. It's possible we didn't bang on our uh, cauldrons loud enough. (laughs) (laughs) It is true. Uh, Oh, let me see. Perhaps it did not take him off of mute. (laughs) And now are you there, Devin Hunter? (laughs) I am here. Ah. Uh 
Do you know there are Sorry magical mystery powers of the mute button? <laughs> Very <Yeah>. interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's that's level seventy-two stuff, though. So not everyone, you know. Well, I, yes. initiated I, I, in such mysteries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I have to say that is that was uh, you you put me to shame with my own guest for my show because that was that was quite the introduction. Oh well, thank you. You deserve it. Thank you so much, Devin, for coming on the show and talking to us about the work that you do. And I was wondering if we could go all the way back to the days of Little Devin Hunter. When did you start to realize that you could perceive or hear people or things that weren't there, at least as far as everyone else around you seemed to be able to discern? Um, Well, you know, so... For me, uh, one of the things that I think a lot of people either – if you know me, you, you know it, and if you don't – really, if you're not familiar with me and a, kind of a more of a personal, you probably don't know um, But because I'm more popular for my work in witchcraft. Um, but I am a professional medium. That's actually how I got my start and, and we'll say, you know, this kind of fringe uh, part of spirituality. <laughs> and The occult, yes. And I really uh, – oh, goodness. I don't remember a time when I wasn't – interacting with spirits to be completely honest with you in fact i thought it was completely normal until um when i was old enough to understand that um some of the things that i I knew i shouldn't know for being as young as i was and getting that impression from the adults and things like that and then kind of going wait a minute this is you know what's going on here and i was really fortunate to have a family that's very spiritual very open-minded uh, so, you know, when at five years old I'm talking to the wall and, and getting, you know, um, instructions to tell my mother not to um, uh, talk to or not to talk about a, a fellow employee um, the way that she was because this woman was going through something in particular. And then, you know, she comes home that day and bawling her eyes out because she'd found out that, in fact, this woman was going through something, you know. So knowing stuff like that when I just shouldn't know it um, was was really the first part of it. Um, and getting the messages from you know what I can what I can effectively today call spirits you know back in the day when I was a little boy I'd say angels you know oh I'm talking to the angels which you know technically isn't far of a stretch if, if we want to get into all of that but uh, mm-hmm. yeah so it, it's uh, I was I would say I, I realized that I was um, doing my own thing probably about the age of five or six. My goodness, that has to be that has to be stressful for a little guy, especially if you don't have the language or the framework to work with that. Um, and that now, so for a lot of people, when they hear medium, they either think of Whoopi Goldberg in the movie Ghost, or they think of people around a séance table in a dark parlor somewhere, something very, very, very spooky. Um, what would you say are some of the misconceptions people have about mediums and medium work? today i think one of the biggest misconceptions is that there are different types of mediums and Mm -hmm. so we we kind of expect that you know you say oh i'm a medium people just think that you're kind of cued into uh talking to dead people Mm -hmm. but um from a uh, kind of um we'll say more traditional institutional kind of look there are three different types of mediums there's a physical medium a mental medium and a spiritual medium um i fall kind of right in the middle of being a physical medium and a spiritual medium um, and what that means is, so a physical medium 
they are going to perceive and receive the psychic, uh, I call them frequencies, uh, these little frequencies that we're tapping into as psychics. Uh, they're going to they're gonna feel those actually in their physical body. So those are the people, um, if you watch things like Ghost Files and things like that, um, those are the people who go through and they will feel the physical attacks of somebody. They'll feel their physical illness after they're dead. Um, and that's a big part of the communication process is actually them being led through the physical trauma sometimes of uh, whatever, you know, whoever they're communicating with. Um, and that gets a little difficult when they start to talk to uh, beings that aren't uh, human souls um, because that, that takes on a really hard toll on their body, um, as you can imagine. So a lot of physical mediums kind of burn out uh, by the time they're in their 40s. Um, we, they really kind of, re, you know, pull back and retire a little bit because um, mm-hmm. it's very, very stressful on the body. Uh, then you have the spiritual mediums. Uh, which are people who are able to communicate um, somehow, and there's a bunch of different theories on how, but we're able to communicate somehow with just kind of the spiritual world. I know it's a hokey term to say, but that includes everything from dead people to spirits of the land to ancestors, um, pretty much anything that's Dear, dear. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I didn't want to interrupt, but uh, I think we might have <laughs> lost seven. We've lost uh, contact. I will try to reestablish. That's right. <laughs> they're, trying to keep, they're trying to keep it secret. Let's see if he's back. Are you back, Devin? I am back. I am back. Oh, good. Here you are again. Who knows where you went, but apparently they're the trying to keep all of that secret. <laughs> right. Do not cross the beams. Yeah. Um, so, so spiritual meetings. Yeah. So um, I was like, where was I? Because I actually heard it drop. Um, the yeah. So the, the idea is is that um, we're able to kind of perceive things that are on the other side of the veil. And I, I hate using that term, the veil, because um, it's totally something that we kind of make up. But um, when we think of a spiritual medium, they're able to communicate with just about everybody. Um, and then we get into a psychic medium, and psychic mediums tend to know things. Without the aid of, of a spirit of a spirit um, kind of intermediary, which a lot of mediums use and work with, we work with our spirit guides, and so spiritual mediums work heavily with spirit guides, whereas uh, psychic mediums don't necessarily work as much with with spirit guides naturally, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we've got these three different types of, of mediums, and within all of that, the, the really the differences come to kind of how all the other psychic abilities actually manifest for the medium, because every medium is a psychic, but not every psychic is a medium. And so a lot of the ways that we receive those frequencies or we get that information is exactly the way somebody who was was, uh, capable of doing um, retrocognition would receive their information. Um, And so, you know, it's the same avenues. We're just getting a different type of of information, I'd say. And so I'd say that's probably one of the big misconceptions is is that uh, a medium just talks to dead people. Um, Mm -hmm. Most mediums, in fact, I know more mediums who don't have a practice working with the dead than I do who do. So for you, the word clairvoyance, is that just sort of synonymous for you with medium or does that mean something separate? I, for me, it is synonymous, yes. But when I, if I, if I were to sit down and teach a class, I'd have to keep it, you know, a separate category. But yeah, I'd say very much so. Yeah. So, so how can you differentiate the different types of entities, spirits, you know, ghosts, angels, etc.? One, just your definitions for those, and then two, if somebody like when you were a child or even now, if they are getting information, messages, visions, how do they differentiate? Like. 
where those are coming from and what they might be interacting with? One thing that I think is is really overshadowed in in the psychic development world, um, and I, I say this as a teacher because this is something that I didn't really get, and then I noticed after a couple of years of teaching, you know, and thinking, you know, oh, I know what I'm doing, I know, you know, how good I am as a teacher, and then realizing, oh, there's all this other stuff that was there and I should be paying attention to, um, is that we have to feel something. Like you, I mean, when I say feel, I mean it's like a, either a physical sense or an emotional sense. Um, we feel impressions. We feel things. And so it's really important as a psychic to not let go of the the physical world and i think a lot of spirit a lot of psychics try to kind of just really focus on this on like the, the soul development and kind of that higher regional spiritual thought processes and as a medium we can't afford to do that it actually leaves us quite vulnerable um to all kinds of things so um in all of that i can go on and say this is this is my bread and butter i love talking about this stuff um but in all of that i what i try to tell people is that you know you have to follow your gut so that's first and foremost so you know if your gut is is saying run then you need to get up and run far far away um but if if your gut is saying hey this is different then maybe you might want to stick around and kind of explore a little bit more before you run away um but i really uh, put the emphasis on us feeling the physical or the emotional sense when we're communicating with spirits um and the, a lot of the reasons why is that if um if we were to use any part of the human experience to kind of help tap into uh, a spirit being on the other side it's going to be emotion it's going to be that that aspect of the of the the human uh, condition so to speak and so using those emotions and being aware of your emotions and being aware of of uh, kind of uh, as a psychic um how to tap into those i think is really important you know and so if if there's something about anything in the psychic world that makes you uncomfortable, it's your job to protect yourself and it's your job to question those things, you know, of course. Um, but then when we get into differentiating, so when you start talking, what's the difference between a ghost or versus a spirit versus a, an angel and those things, uh, that's a really, really huge topic. In fact, it's such a big topic that that's actually the next book I'm working on right now. Ooh, um, right on. Is to go through and talk about all the differences. But the basic idea is that um, I kind of d- divide the world into a, a couple of different segments. And we've got um, the spirits of the dead. So those were people who once at one point in time were living and – I'm a bit, I'm really big into parapsychology, and not every psychic is, and not every medium is, um, because parapsychology challenges us, and it, it kind of makes us put things into a very certain perspective that I think as a psychic can be very uncomfortable. Um, and in, in that, we talk about, um, you know, kind of what makes a ghost a ghost, and what makes a an angel an angel, and that kind of stuff. And one of the things with when we talk about uh, ghosts is that, you know, if a person dies, they experience physical death, they're still having a human experience. And so when we're working with a ghost um, or a spirit of somebody who's, who's still lingering over, we're still dealing with a person. It is still a person. They're still having that human condition. They're still moving through it. And so we try very hard to keep that in mind. And that's why it's not always good to just go in and start yelling and screaming at a, at a spirit if it's in a building. Um, provocation. I'm very against provocation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, things like that because they're, they're, they're still human beings. Um, and then we get into things like. The spirits really want to interflu- in, in, <laughs> interfere with Mr. Hunter tonight. I bet we'll have him in just a moment. It is true. So, as he's reconnecting, have you ever had any experience, Charlie, with feeling like you've been connected to or contacted by or maybe just mm-hmm. sensed the presence of uh, something? 
once, and um, it was so normal seeming that it's the reason I thought I thought it might be true. Something I'd love to ask Kevin about, but it's actually um, I experienced it in the same building where Devin works, and um, at the Mystic Dream in Walnut Creek, California. I was working there in about 2000, 2001, and um, in the morning I was walking down, and it um, the building had uh, at one time been a law office. And people used to say they see spirits all the time, but I, I generally chalk that up to we worked in a mystical bookstore. It would be, be sad if it wasn't haunted, and I, I chalked that up to wishful thinking. But uh, one morning, um, I was walking down one of the aisles, um, 9.30 in the morning, and coming down the other aisle was a gentleman um, in, like, a gray suit. I think I remember he was sort of balding, and he had a gray suit on. And he was walking, and it, when he got to about parallel with me or n- near me, I turned and did my normal customer service thing and said, um, let me know if I can help you find anything. And he wasn't there. And there was no there was no rattling chains. There was no, um, you know, ectoplasm anywhere. It was just he wasn't there, and I was certain that he had been there. And he wasn't anything I'd ever seen before, you know, so it wasn't a figment because, uh, I, didn't, you know, it's something I'd experienced. And I just remember that, oh, you know, I've heard <laughs> that there were ghosts of lawyers here. <laughs> and... uh my my interpretation of that experience was that I had seen the ghost of a lawyer at the Mystic Dream. So never saw him again, never felt the presence, but that was my experience. I don't know about how about you, High C. Uh, well, it does look like Devin is back. There we go. So and we've just heard Devin one disappointing fact is when Charlie felt that he had his experience, there was no rattling chains. There was no excitement. You know, so where's where's the excitement from the other yeah. side? So, Devin, um, when when you were talking earlier, you talked about kind of going into homes, and I think it's not necessarily well known that uh, a lot of medium or some medium make house calls, and uh, I always think of my, the the lovely Zelda Rubenstein in the movie uh, Poltergeist, this house is clean, Um, can you talk about that part of your, you get calls from people who have haunted houses, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, um, and that's part of it's probably like my favorite part of the work. To be completely honest with you, um, is going in and, and living out here in California. It's been a real treat for me because the the buildings are actually, I mean, as far as America is concerned, are actually newer. And uh, whereas if you go to the East Coast, if you're like in a maritime you know city, you have a very different experience. If you go to New Orleans, it's a very different experience. But out here on the West Coast, it's things are still relatively new. And so it almost seems like the spirits are, uh, they're younger. It's, I know it sounds kind of odd, but it almost, we, there's that kind of a vibe to it. So um, out here, when I go to houses, most of the stuff actually tends to be not so much that there was a person who passed away in the home, but that they, for some reason, um, there are like little pockets in, in this particular area of, of California. Um, and I think it has to do with microclimates and some other things. But uh, there are like little pockets where spirits kind, kind of collect. Um, like there's certain areas like uh, Dublin. Dublin, uh, California is one of the areas where spirits just kind of, kind of collect for some reason. Um, even parts of San Ramon and Walnut Creek, which is where the store is. Uh, so it's kind of interesting because, you know, I, I'd say out of, maybe 10 house calls that I've done in the last year, I would say eight of them were actually things that people just kind of picked up. They weren't ghosts or, or anything, but they were just kind of energies or spirits will say that, that people kind of picked up and, you know, a oh, good old house cleansing will do that. 
Um, when you do a house cleansing, the idea is that you, most of the time there's something going on within the home that um, the owner or somebody you know who's living in the home feels threatened, and that's usually so that yeah, I look for that before I, I go you know really go through and do a cleansing. And the reason why I'm kind of cautious about doing uh, cleansings or what type of cleansing that I do is that if you think of your home like an ecosystem for spirits and for, you know, spiritual energy, um, kind of think of it like a fish tank. And so when you clean your fish tank, you don't want to go through and just bleach it, right, because you're going to lose the good, healthy bacteria that you need. There are good spirits. You know, there's stories that we grew up with, household fairies and those things. That's real. I mean, no, they're not necessarily little brownie people that, you know, hide in and out of, of sugar bowls, but there are spirits in your home. There are um, spiritual beings that are naturally attracted to families, and it's, they're good things. They're very good things. They're here to help our help us keep, you know, things safe and moving. So when you do a cleansing, if you, like, you go through a sage and you just burn sage, the problem is is that you could actually be removing all of all of the spiritual influences, um, or at least those spirits that would kind of stick around. Um, there's even a chemical in sage that when it's burned actually produces anxiety, which I think is probably why sage works as well as it does for most people. Uh, but at the same time, if you, if you suffer from anxiety disorder, you do not want to burn sage. It actually can cause problems for you. It can make it worse. Um, and so if you go into a home and you do that, let's say there's a lot of agitated, agitated energy. Sage can actually exasperate things. And so you've heard of people going in and then they try to do a cleansing on a house and all of a sudden things start going crazy in the house and things, you know, fly off the walls and things like that. It's, it's not exactly the best way to go through and, and do a cleansing on a house. Um, and so, I, you know, for me, there's, there's kind of varying degrees. Most of the stuff that I do at the house call, I go in, um, I work a lot with, with my uh, spirit guide. I, I made his name is Malik. And uh, Malik is, is very, uh, he's very into helping people and he's very, he's like kind of a show off. And so he likes going on these house calls. He likes doing those things because usually he gets a little moment to shine. Um, but so we go out, and uh, I spend a lot of time just kind of tuning into the property, and, and I try to walk around the home first before I go inside the home, um, the idea being that I want to see if there's anything kind of emanating from the house itself. Because if there's stuff that's emanating from the house without actually being inside of it, then it, that's, that's not a good thing usually, unless it's you know something you're feeling that's positive. Like, there's a lot of love here. Um, if you're not feeling that kind of stuff, you know, it's not a good thing for you going. You kind of want to uh, be a little more prepared before you step in the house. Um, but then once you're in the house, a lot of it is the, that I find that I think a lot of people have problems with is differentiating between the natural emotional psychic energy buildup that, ha- that homes have um, in spirits. And so if we think of things like Poltergeist, like you mentioned that great movie Poltergeist, and I'm, I'm one of those guys, I love all of the horror movies, I love all of the, uh, anything to do with hauntings or possession, I'm just, I'm that guy, I'm always watching those movies. But we all know it's crap, like it's just all crap. Um, and poltergeist is one of these things that uh, the term poltergeist is often misused. So poltergeist is a German word that means little, uh, it means um, noisy ghost. And what a, and it's, there's no ghosts involved with poltergeist at all. Um, the idea behind a poltergeist is that there is psychic energy um, that is building up, and usually this is noticed within children. Um, we have the most of, uh, evidence of is it happening with, with children under the ages of 14. Um, and then we, then we get, uh, as you get later on in life, after you hit your second Saturn return, there seems to be another influx of this where poltergeist activity is more easily created. Um, but there's, there's no actual ghost there. It's actually kind of you doing it. And so the knocking in the walls, 
Um, if you hear uh, screams, I know one, one person was saying they heard screams, and it was really that um, their daughter was having nightmares. And they, she wasn't physically screaming, but she was, like, psychically screaming. So they would wake up in the middle of the night because they were hearing these blood-curdling screams, but they weren't coming from her, their daughter's room. You know, so there's little things like that, and that's what a poltergeist is. And so it's the knocking on the wall. Some things move, you know, sometimes things will move, levitation, you know, things like that. All that stuff has been documented. Um, I have never seen it get that bad before. Uh, most of the time, poltergeist activity or PK activity, uh, psychokinesis, because poltergeist is a form of, of psychokinesis, uh, most of the time that activity is something that as a psychic we feel um, because it doesn't tend to have personality. A ghost will have a personality. A spirit's going to have a personality, but those things tend not to. Um, and so we think of like residual hauntings, which is when there's something kind of on loop, on playback. People say, every day at 4.30, I hear somebody walking up my steps, you know, things like that. Well, what's happened is um, essentially there's been a recording that was placed over the home or over the location in the home. And those are actually, out of all of the things to remove, as far as uh, ghostly influences, if you want to think of it like that, those are the easiest to remove because all we have to do is write over them. Just kind of like we would record over an old tape, you know, back in the 90s when we were all using tapes. Um, you know, that's, it's the same idea. We go through, and what I tell people to do is um, have a party, invite all your friends over, have a glass of wine or two, and then spend time laughing and spend time being joyous and thinking of positive things and why you love each other and all of that stuff, and then go around the home and touch the walls. And what it's going to do is it's going to overwrite the psychic impressions that your, your home has in it to help provide what I like to refer to as sanctuary because I think our homes need to be sanctuary, um, not just spiritually and psychically, but physically. They should be our, our, our place where we get to go and kind of retreat. Um, so when there's ghosts or there's spirits or there's that kind of uh, poltergeist activity going on, it's really hard to do that. And most of the time, that's all stuff that we can take care of just by uh, taking care of ourselves. So I'm curious because you were talking about like sage isn't necessarily the best thing to use if there's an agitated energy. Um, are, this is a two-part question. Prepare yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. One, uh, are there things that are better to use than sage, or how do you determine what to use? Because I, I, And I'm thinking of things like Palo Santo or salt or some sort of a wash with uh, some herbs in it. Um, and is this something that somebody should always call a professional to come in and do, or can people also do this themselves if they are experiencing something but feel it hasn't gotten out of hand? <laughs> I would say um, that you can almost always take care of it by yourself. And, and I, uh, I would say out of, I mean, maybe every five I uh, calls that I get, I only go do one house call. Um, because I, I'm very uh, into the idea of us as spiritual people being able to take care of our spiritual stuff. So if it's your home, maybe instead of needing to you know, hire me to come out, maybe you just need to sit with me for 30 minutes and, and learn what to do or, or ask me you know, what, what YouTube videos to watch or something like that. But I'm really all about people taking matters into their own hands when it comes to this stuff, mostly because um, when we're dealing with the spiritual world, we have all the control. And, and it's really easy for them to, whatever we're dealing with, to kind of make it seem like it's not that way, but it really is that way. We're the ones with total control because it's in our plane. We're the physical ones. We're the ones with, you know, heartbeats and all of that stuff. Uh, we're the ones with all the power. So 
when I go to, for me, and the sage, sage is something that's traditional, specifically here to the continental U.S. Um, that wasn't something that was like you, you wouldn't have got, you know, 100, 200 years ago over in London, they weren't burning sage to cleanse spaces. They were burning resins and things like that. Um, it was all very, you know, ceremonial and traditional. But we came over here and we ended up um, adapting <laughs> um, a lot of uh, Native American practices, and sage smudging was one of them. Um, that being the case, like, you can do it. It works. There's nothing, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. But if you're going to do that, you need to make sure that you're telling the, the good spirits in your home what you're about to do. You don't want to kind of drop it on them. And I know that may sound silly, but I have noticed a huge difference. And the way the energy settles afterwards by actually just going to the good spirits and saying, hey, I have to do this because there's some stuff going on. And, you know, either leave the house for a little bit or go here for a little bit or whatever. But giving them a preemptive um, kind of knowledge as to what's going on is very important, I I found. So you can use Sage. It does work. Um, I just think that there are sometimes other things, as you were saying, that would be better, like Palo Santo or salt or, or whatnot. So I have kind of a scale of things. Uh, the first thing that I do um, is just energy, just good old psychic energy, uh, white light, You want if you want to think of it like that. And that's something that I, I teach every client that comes in um, or if I go to their home, how to white light themselves and how to white light their children and how to white light their homes, um, because that is so much a part of you taking control. Um, is actually saying, no, I, this is my home. This is, these are my things. This is my domain. These are things that are protected by me and my allies, or, you know, whatever have you. Um, so that's like kind of level one. Level two is going in with salt water. And so you can dilute a little bit of salt into a spray bottle of water, and then you can actually mist the air in your home, and it will do something very similar to what a Himalayan um, salt lamp will do. So it, 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 uh, it, it reads my salt works is that a salt breaks etheric patterns. And so salt's kind of a good cleanse all when it comes to a lot of things. I mean, you can break spells with it. You can break um, intentional energy patterns. You can do all kinds of things with salt. So salt's a really good kind of uh, uh, place to start. I'll also add that um, if you feel like you attract negative spirits, now you're home, but you feel that that's a you thing, um, then what I would recommend is that you actually do like 13 nights of a salt bath. Like every night you take a salt bath, Call in your allies, you know, pray to whoever it is that you pray to, but the idea being that you're going to break the ties um, that those, those negative energies have to you, and that's what the salt will help do. And so you do 13 nights because that's, that's the big kaboom, you know, um, way of kind of approaching it. Otherwise, you can put little tiny bowls of salt around your home. That totally works as well. Um, and in your, like your carpet freshener, the stuff that you vacuum up, you can put a little bit of salt in there. Um, that'll, that works wonderfully. The next step up from that would be to use something like um, sage, okay? And the sage works great. I always follow sage up with uh, sweetgrass because sweetgrass kind of does the opposite. So sweetgrass is used um, by the same uh, culture. This is, this, is why this, is, this is why I will use sweetgrass because sweetgrass is used by the exact same culture to bring in positive spirits. And so you can go through with sage and then go back through with sweetgrass, and it'll help kind of counteract the negative effects that um, something like sage would have. Up from that, we have things like uh, Palo Santo. And Palo Santo is a wood um, that comes from South America, mostly uh, Ecuador and Peru, I believe. And it's one of the things that's really great about uh, Palo Santo is that the tree itself is illegal to harvest unless it's been dead for seven years. And so a tree will have to fall, and these things grow in, in just wide open spaces. 
um, and then it has to die, and then it bakes in the sun for seven years, and that, that releases all of those wonderful oils that when we're burning it, we smell. And so Palo Santo, it's, it's, a, it's not like sacred wood, um, but it's, um, it, it really truly is the, the, the act of it becoming the sacred wood that we burn itself is a really holy process. Um, and so it's protected. You can't, you can't harvest it for seven years after, legally um, until after it falls. You know, if you wait seven years to get it. So there's a, a wonderful process, uh, I think, with that. And Palo Santo, not everybody likes Palo Santo. Uh, a lot of people are actually have kind of an aversion to it. Um, it has a very unique scent if you're not used to it. Um, you can use things like that. And along that line is frankincense. Uh, frankincense sprinkle Paul are great uh, for cleansings and banishings and blessings and things like that. And psychically speaking, um, it, it, it does the exact same thing um, as well. If you think if you're, if you're with Catholic and they go to like a Roman Catholic mass, well, frankincense is what they're burning to, to start, you know, the, the big ritual. And so it's a really wonderful way for all of the psychic energies to kind of tune into each other. And that's what I use frankincense for. Um, and that's really great if you're a psychic because, of course, you want to know, um, oh, is there latent energy somewhere? Is energy kind of hiding from me because that stuff happens? Um, and so being aware of things from that perspective. And then there's there's one more thing that you can do, uh, herby-wise, we think of burning things or, or putting things in the home. There's something I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mispronounce it, but it's Asphodeva, I want to say. Um, the nickname or its uh, folk name is Devil's Dung. And it stinks all the high heaven. It is an absolutely foul-smelling herb. But when burned, and you only need a little bit, it goes a long way, it, it's kind of like nuking your home for psychic energies. And so it really clears things out. Um, and that's a last-ditch effort, though, because that, that really real, I mean, it, it, it makes it a hard time for the energy to kind of settle down afterwards. Um, and that's that's the difference for me. It's kind of like your recovery time. It's just like if you go in for surgery with a doctor, they're going to talk about recovery time and which options are best based off of recovery. Uh, same thing with a house. If you're going to do a house cleansing or a building or anything, you know, you, you, there's a recovery time. And depending on the home, depending on the family, depending on the dynamics of the people involved, recovery time may really be something that has a large effect on them as a unit. You know, and so if it's a family with small kids, recovery time can't be that long. You know, if it's a, if it's um, something like an office building, recovery time really can't be that long. And so you have to kind of take all of that stuff into consideration. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, there, there's a lot to it. There really is. I, I will just throw in the devil's dung that you're talking about is asafoetida. And <clears throat> that's you. just so... People, people know that's actually a very common spice that you can easily get and is amazing to use in cooking. Um, and mm -hmm. I think it, it's very often used in Indian cooking. Um, but just so people know, it's not some, you know, exotic thing that comes from that one mountain in the Himalayas that you can only get on the third day of the 80th year or something. It's, mm -hmm. it's very easily accessible to get and then to use. So just wanted to toss that in. Um, so, Devin, I know that if we tried to go down the road of like how to questions, how to be a medium that you could do a whole weekend on that. And you actually, you're writing a book about that. Um, so I just wanted to ask a very basic one. I know you've mentioned a couple of times the importance of self care and watching out for burnout. Um, if someone decides they want to pursue medium work, what would you say, or if you had to distill it down to the top three tips for protection and self care throughout the process? When I uh, work with, so when I work with other psychics, and um, as a teacher, I, I probably do more of this than I do teaching witchcraft. 
because um, I, I really love working with psychics because there are so many people who are psychic out there who just, you know, have no idea or maybe they're a little confused about it, um, where to start because it's really overwhelming, I think. Um, and, and so some people just kind of get sidetracked and they don't, they don't follow through with it maybe like they could. And so um, there's a lot of, of people with superpowers out there who just don't know how to use them, you know. Um, so I really love watching a psychic unfold um, and surpass me. You know, that's happened on multiple times where somebody would have come to me and, um, you know, for, for maybe my psychic apprenticeship, which is a, I have a year-long psychic apprenticeship that I do, um, and then by the time they're done with the course, they're surpassing me. I mean, they're, they're able to get incredible detail from, from um, you know, the spirits and things like that. And so over the years, um, because I get asked that question a lot as a medium, <laughs> uh, over the years I've kind of whittled it down to um, kind of a step-by-step way of developing a practice. So first thing is spirit guides. Um, I cannot stress this enough, and this is something that um, a lot of, uh, there's kind of a 50-50 split in the psychic world because you get some psychics who do not believe in spirit guides in the context that they are here to help us. Um, they more see them as some sort of soul attachment that is that is um, creating programming. Um, and so a lot of, not a lot of them, but a good maybe 40% of psychics don't like to work with spirit guides. Um, and I think the reason being is that it's an external energy that has a personality, and those psychics tend not to like to work with um, energies that have personalities, um, have their own kind of way of being and things like that. But the ones of us who do, who, who are, we're just here for the ride and we want to kind of see how things go, um, find incredible benefit from working with spirit guides. Um, I mentioned my spirit guide named Malak, and he and I have been working together for um, about 10 years now. And uh, I get incredible amounts of detail from him. He's really good about mostly um, keeping me on par. You know, I, I set spiritual goals for myself as a psychic every day, and he keeps me real with those. You know, it's anything from today, let's try to work on being less um, emotionally sensitive because that really knocks you out, you know, or let's work on being more heart chakra centered with our clients today. You know, things like that. And he's really good about how it kind of helped me do that, that little personal stuff. But then on a bigger sense, um, he's my protector. So it's kind of like having a bouncer with me. And as a medium, um, one of the things that a lot of mediums complain about, and if you follow me on Facebook, I, I complain about, about, well, about this time of year, every year I start complaining about it, um, which is that I, you get bombarded by spirits. I mean, you just get bombarded by them. So, you know, my home is sanctuary, and it's pretty squeaky clean. But, um, you know, I work in a metaphysical store. I've worked in metaphysical stores for the last 14 years. Um, there's a lot of traffic spiritually that comes in. People bring spirits with them, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, it's hard. You know, it can be really, really difficult um, because they just want to talk to you. You know, a lot of, like, one of the uh, things I look forward to every year is going to New Orleans to um, see the Witches Ball there. But that experience for me every year is, is always uh, kind of difficult, at least in preparation, because I know that that particular uh, part of the United States has an extremely heavy amount of spirits um, and ghosts, uh, way more than I've noticed anywhere else. Um, and, and they just want to talk to you, you know, and, and so much of, them, uh, of the experiences I've had there have been just I'm sleeping and I wake everybody else up in the house because I'm having conversations um, with dead people when I'm sleeping, you know, things like that. So that gets very overwhelming. 
Um, but working with a spirit guide like Moloch helps to kind of balance that out, and it keeps the things that are going to try to come to you without your permission from coming to you. And I think that's very, very important because we so easily get overwhelmed as psychics because we're dealing with energy, and it's so easy to do that. Um, and the best way to start a, a practice with your spirit guides is to just take 30 minutes a week, and I light a candle. I have like a, usually it's like a white candle, and I light that candle, and I might put some you know, soft music on in the background, but I'm not doing anything else. I'm not um, talking to anybody that is definitely just kind of me and Moloch time, you know. Um, and in that 30 minutes, I started off with uh, questions. You know, they, we say that when we pray, we talk to God. When we meditate, God talks to us. Well, it's the same idea. So, you know, I talked to Moloch. And I said, hey, this man, this is what's going on with me, or this is what I'm concerned about. And then I just spend time being receptive, you know. Um, with spirit guides, you're working with a being that ultimately really just wants to be here to help you through your stuff. Because what they get out of it by helping you through their stuff is that you're actually helping them work through their stuff. Um, so it's, it's this really interesting collaboration with our spirit guides. And, so, and we channel them through our higher self, which is another really cool thing, which means that your spirit guide isn't going like, to tell you to like, jump off a cliff. You know, your spirit guide isn't going to do anything like that. Um, so there's this trusted spirit that um, when you're navigating the spiritual world, it can be kind of hard to find. You know, um, and so your spirit guides, they're protectors, they are bouncers, um, they help with actually figuring out what, where the channel is, you know, what are we tuning into, what are we trying to tune into, um, and then in general, just kind of keeping us together when it comes to our spiritual balance and our spiritual discipline and those things. Um, so I say, always say the very first place to start is to start working with your spirit guide. Um, there's a wonderful book by an author named Christopher Penzak called Spirit Allies. Um, I recommend everybody pick this book up. It's, it's not an expensive one, but it will change your life. Um, I really recommend it. Uh, and then there's, of course, you can go to the Mystery Dream Academy and you can take my Spirit Guide Connections class, which is um, it's a huge, giant course that you can take uh, on your own at your own speed and your own pace. And there's uh, not a test or anything at the end, but um, I, I developed a system to help you go through actually meet your Spirit Guide uh, profile them, which is such an important part of being a psychic is to profile. So, you know, profiling um, your spirit guide, where do they come from? What's their name? What do they want from you? All of that kind of stuff. Um, and then actually building a practice with them. So that's what the, uh, the spirit guide uh, connections course that I created was for. Um, the next step is going to be that you start working at, you, you have to figure out what type of psychic you're going to be. And, and what I mean by this isn't, are you clairvoyant or are you clair? And that's what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, what type of psychic are you going to be in the sense of are you going to help other people? Are you going to be a solo psychic and just kind of get impressions and, and just kind of do your own thing? Uh, do you want to be a professional? Like, do you want to help people through uh, those troubling times in their lives? Or do you want to try to help people connect to loved ones? Uh, what, what is your work? And that's such an important thing because there's nothing worse than a psychic who doesn't know what they want to do. <laughs> um, and so uh, with that, what I tell people is, you know, really kind of sit down and think, about your comfort zones, you know, are you comfortable walking up to a random person and saying, hey, there's this thing that I, I thought you should know, which is incredibly difficult. Um, I've been doing this for 16 years now. Oh, my, well, goodness. Um, and, and I still have a really hard time going, you know, going to somebody saying, hey, by the way, um, you know, are, are you a healer? You know, is your psychic practice going to be specifically oriented in healing, which a lot of psychics are. Um, the psychics who tend to work, we, we kind of joke around, um, you'll call them like uh, white lighters or fluffy bunnies, you'll hear that term. And those are just the psychics who ch have chosen not to tune into the lower frequencies. They've chosen that. 
Um, it's not that they can't. It's just they don't want to mix those frequencies in with, you know, the, the higher stuff they're working with. Whereas those of us who um, tend to kind of walk the middle line, we're, we're into everything. You know, it's like I, 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 every time I walk into a place that's supposed to be, like, incredibly haunted, I actually I'm, – I'm cocky enough to say, show me. Show me, give me a reason to like get scared. Give me a reason. You know, I, I'm that guy who says that because I've never had an experience where uh, I walked into a home and the ghost was trying to like run me out. Nothing like that's ever happened. I've had stuff where clearly it was uncomfortable with me being around and clearly it didn't want me there, but I hadn't had any. There's no, been no full body apparitions. There's been none of that stuff. So I'm the psychic that goes in and says, all right, prove it to me. Prove to me that you're real. You know, and so, and to me, it's because one of the standards that I have is to be a skeptic. You know, you have to be a skeptic. I mean, if I'm going to get up and talk about fairies in front of people and dead people, I have to be at least a skeptic, you know, when I'm doing that so that I can understand um, the blocks that people might have to, you know, to, to processing that for themselves. Um, so figuring out which other psychic you are, that's a really important thing. Um, and some psychics, too, in this, um, whether figuring out what type of psychic they're going to be, totally um, don't think about joining a community of psychics. And what I mean by this is there are psychic circles everywhere. There are psychic guilds everywhere. And if you can't find one in your local community, you can find one online. And these are communities of psychics who the, 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 the whole reason they get together is to share their mysteries uh, share the development, share their stories, bounce ideas back off of one another. And what that does is it gives you the ability to kind of work internally versus having to go externally to get the, that information and to get that experience. And so, again, you know, what type of psychic do you want to be? Do you want to do house calls? Do you want to, you know, got to figure that out? Um, and that alone, because you're suddenly given a platform that you wouldn't have had otherwise, can really dramatically affect the way that you choose to approach your own psychic development. And I think that it's a very important thing. Um, the next thing from that is going to be uh, discipline, daily practice. And with this, I, I, I can't stress this enough, and I, and Lord knows, <laughs> I, I could be better at it by, myself. Um, I, can't we always? But um, the idea of doing uh, a daily practice where every single day you're checking in with what I call your home frequency, which is the most perfect state of you. You know, when everything's, when all your bill, the bills are paid and, and you're feeling loved in life and you feel powerful in life and and you have that moment of perfect love and perfect trust. You're in your home frequency. That is the most perfect state of you. And so choosing to start your day that way, choosing to end your day that way is incredibly important because as a psychic, one of the things that happens without us knowing is we're absorbing energy. We're absorbing uh, psychic impressions all the time, and, and we go to bed with those things, and those things end up becoming part of our own energy body. And so choosing to start um, in that place every day is really, really important. Another thing, too, that I picked up from Jackie Smith from Coventry Creation. She also wrote a really great uh, – she wrote two great books, one called Coventry Magic, another one called Do-It-Yourself Akashic Wisdom. Uh, and, and in it she talks about um, doing – basically having like a reminder on your phone that you, you set it for whenever, and it's just like a, a little bell that goes off. And, it, and all it is there is to just remind you of, of what you're doing. You know, are you doing the right thing? Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing right now? Um, is your mind where your mind's supposed to be? Are, are, you, are you centering yourself and your focus and your attention where it's supposed to go? And in my spiritual tradition, we use 1111 uh, um, for that time prompt. So we've, you know, we've got little bells on our phones that go off at 1111 every day um, that, that remind us to check our frequencies, you know, to choose discipline. Um, and that's a really important thing. You know? and, and in that, you know, choosing discipline means that you're keeping yourself spiritually cleansed. 
that you're not laxing in those things. Uh, Thorn Coyle says that if you are going to take a shower every day, you should spiritually, you know, you can spiritually cleanse yourself every day. And I totally believe that. You know, you have people who are neat freaks about their physical appearance, psychically are like the exact opposite. You know, it's like pig pen walking in. You can see the dust, you know, kind of rolling off of them. Um, and that's stuff that it, it doesn't cut it. Uh, and the reason why I say it doesn't cut it is that's the stuff that creates the blockages that keep you from being able to master your abilities, but also that keep you stuck in those really low kind of personal trial, tribulation kind of things that get you stuck in life. And as a psychic, we have to be able to move through energy. We have to be able to move through it. It, it. So much of it is about being receptive, that we think we're just, you know, being sensitive. And one of the things that I, I'm always um, <clears throat> kind of harping on with, with people is that, you know, if you're an empath and you have a breakdown every single time you walk into a building, you're a bad empath. You know, if you're, if you're a psychic and every time you walk into a building – you're, you're overwhelmed by it. You're so sensitive that you're overwhelmed by it. You're a bad psychic. It doesn't actually mean that you're a good psychic. It means that you're, you're, you're failing at, the, at your job to take care of yourself. You know, you're failing at your job to, to master your abilities because they are in your face and they're causing problems for you. And, um, you know, we get a lot of empaths, and I, I work with a lot of empaths. And I, I kind of, you know, I used, to, I used to make the, uh, the assumption that every empath was going to have some sort of emotional crisis all the time. Um, and I know better now because I know that a lot of, so much of it is just being able to construct a platform for themselves so that that doesn't happen, you know, and that's a lot of what that personal discipline is. And so, it, you know, for me, discipline is about being aware and it's about challenging yourself every single day to do the things that you know will make you better and will make you cleaner as a spiritual person and will help you, you know, process those things. And um, I know a lot of psychics don't necessarily agree with that. And, and I understand why. Um, but I, I think cleanliness is next to godliness, especially when you work with the dead or you're working with a, a spirit. You, you really have to be able to do that. So it was long-winded, but those are my three. <laughs> I, I, I definitely agree with, <laughs> your, with your, your thoughts about um, people's uh, thinking of being a powerful psychic as sort of always having all of the doors open at all times so they don't miss a message. And that can leave pe- people a bit fried. So I'm really oh, I'm yeah. glad that you said yeah. that. Absolutely. So yeah, the the things that you've just kind of <clears throat> outlined there, is that basically what's going to be covered, obviously, in more depth in your book? Or maybe you can just talk a little bit about what your book is going to be about and when it's anticipated to come out? So the uh, the book that's going to be coming out in the springtime uh, is called The Witch's Book of Power. And the idea with this is, for me was that um, – so I came to witchcraft and the occult arts and all, you know, the, this, this world uh, because I was looking for answers because I was a little psychic boy, right? And, and I was living in rural Ohio, and the closest thing to a spiritual authority I had was – uh, the minister at the Pentecostal church that I went to. And, um, you know, my father was, was very loosey-goosey pagan, and I got to got away with a lot of things with him. But when it came to mom, I most certainly did not. Um, and I lived with my mother because my parents were separated. So um, I went through a really hard time, you know, um, being a, a poor kid growing up in rural Ohio, being a gay kid growing up in rural Ohio, um, not having any friends just because I lived in the middle of nowhere, so there were no kids my age really. 
Um, and it, I, I was a loner, you know, I was just a loner. And so I came to witchcraft because I was looking for answers to help me explain what I was experiencing as a psychic. But even to take it the next step, I was looking for a way out of my shitty circumstance. And so I, at a very young age, found witchcraft uh, through wonderful happenstance circumstances. And um, it led me, of course, on this huge path. And I ended up becoming a professional psychic and then a professional witch. And then, uh, you know, from there, just everything kind of uh, spiraled into its own direction. And I ended up finding my way out to California. Um, and out here, I, my, my life changed. I mean, it just completely changed because the emphasis was about my personal work. And the emphasis, I think the universe was challenging me to understand the concepts of power and my life and what it meant to me. Um, and, and as I sat down, uh, I was actually originally sitting down to write a book called Universal Witch, which was just about kind of uh, contemporary witchcraft techniques. And it was very 101, very kind of basis. And I'm outlining this book and I'm like, I hate this. I don't want to write this book. I don't want to do this. This isn't going to help anybody. You know, this is this has already been written. I'm just going to kind of regurgitate it and maybe say something a little different. And who needs that? Like, at, you know, who needs that? And so I went on a, on a little bit of a, a spirit quest and um, worked a lot with my spirit guide. And uh, it was very clear one day that this was all about power. You know, it, being a psychic was, is about using your power. You know, it, witches don't like, in, well, not, witches, not just witches, but people in the spiritual world don't like to use the term power. You know, it's a frightening word for them, um, and but not for me because I came to the occult looking for power. You know, I, I didn't come looking for the law of three. I didn't come looking for, um, you know, fairies and gnomes. I came looking for infernal powers to get the hell out of a shitty little town in rural Ohio. Like, I'm just going to be completely clear on this. And so I was severely disappointed when, uh, you know, several years into the mix of things, kind of realizing that it wasn't, uh, at least the way that it, things were being taught to me as a, a spiritual person, uh, weren't actually, you know, um, uh, what I was wanting and what I was looking for. And um, and so, you know, just, yeah, my, 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 um, my whole life kind of coming out here ended up being this whole lesson in power and realizing that, uh, you know, being that little boy who came to witchcraft looking for power, also gave me a very different perspective on things and being a psychic um, and, and coming from a different world when it comes to terminology and a different world when it comes to expectations of, of, of uh, not just, you know, how successful you are. I mean, as a medium, I can't give false information because I'll get called out on it, you know, so I can't fake something where I think in a lot of uh, occultism, you can kind of fake it. You know, and so it's, it's it, because of that as experiences and being put on the spot, not just publicly, but, you know, working with clients uh, over the last 14 years. And it's, it's all made me realize that the relationship to power that we have is, as human beings is quintessential to our evolution as a spiritual being. Um, but even more so, to take it to the next step, power um, is what we're all looking for one way or another. Right. And so um, I wrote this book really as an exercise in exploring the, those concepts of power. And so the book's written in three parts. The first part is all about um, what we call the witch power or in your personal power. And the witch power um, is the exact same thing as uh, that thing that makes you psychic. And so in the book, I use the term uh, preternatural to help it describe what the witch power is or the psychic power is. Um, and it is the thing that draws us to the unknown. It's the thing that, you know, we know that there's, there is an answer to it. 
We, I, we firmly believe that one day science will, be, will, will totally be able to explain what's going on with a ghost, and they'll totally be able to explain what's going on with uh, landlines and you know, things like that. And so those are preternatural events. And as, as uh, psychics and as witches or occultists were drawn to those things, why is that happening? And why is that so special? And why does that make us special? Um, and so that's what that first part of the book is. is it's about kind of exploring that, uh, looking at the layers of the soul. Um, from my spiritual tradition, we, we can divide the soul into kind of three parts, almost like you would the chakras um, into seven or 270 parts, depending on what system you're using. Um, but we use three, and, and we use those to help explain the psychic processes that we undergo as, as, as uh, occultists and as, as psychics. Um, but even more so taking that, that next step, uh, finding your power within all of those different places. And it culminates with an uh, uh, exercise that I, I wrote called the Pentacle and Crown of Sovereignty, which is a really cool uh, exercise. The second part of the book is all about astrology. It's about looking at your birth chart to help kind of define uh, what spiritual influences you're going to be more attracted to, you're going to work with better. Um, and I wrote this because... I think part of, of owning yourself and discovering yourself is to really understand what you're naturally going to be drawn to, what you're naturally going to kind of run away from, uh, what are you naturally going to have issues with, what are your blocks going to be. Well, your birth chart can tell you ever all of this. And so um, for years now, I've been taking uh, students through a process where we open up their birth chart and we go planet to planet to planet, and we figure out, oh, okay, well, you have Venus and Scorpio. So from a magical perspective or a spiritual perspective, what gifts would you have? Um, because all of that it, you can find there. Um, and so going through, and so we go, we go everything from your sun sign to uh, where Pluto is in your chart. Right? We cover the ascendant and everything and, and correlate those to the soul. Um, and so the, like, for instance, the, uh, your rising sign, your ascendant is connected to your higher self or that spark of God. Um, your sun sign is connected to your ego um, or that part of you that's kind of creating the world around you. Um, and then we have your moon sign, which is your squishy center, and that's connected to your primal self. Um, and so being able to look at those and say, oh, where, where, are, where would our gifts spiritually manifest if we were to look at them through the birth chart? Um, the other reason why I wrote this is that we hit a moment as spiritual people where we go through what I call the plateau, which is, you know, we were just on a high, we, we were learning things where we felt we were being challenged and we were discovering things. And then kind of one day the bottom drops out and we're not feeling it anymore. Um, and that's a really difficult time. And, and if we look at uh, paganism, if we look at witchcraft and the occult, that's usually when people kind of make their shift. Like they, they leave, you know, they're like, oh, I'm going to go study Buddhism now, uh, which is totally fine. You know, you get what you need. Uh, but I, I think that, um, at least in my experience, if, if we are able to look at a system to say, hey, maybe check this out next, um, which is what that, that section does, um, we, wouldn't, we won't feel so helpless in that process. Uh, and then the third part of the book is all about working with spirits and allies for power. And so I go into um, all of the varying degrees of different types of spirits that we tend to work with, everything from angels to um, – and I work with many different concepts of angels in the book. So we talk about um, angels in the Hebrew sense, which is the, where the, the word kind of originally comes from, and angels in, in its original Hebrew context just meant helping spirit. So an angel wasn't necessarily a winged thing that we think of in Judeo-Christianism um, or Christianity. We think of, uh, 
you know, these, these winged things that come down and, and save us from ourselves. And that's not what the original concept of what a, uh, an angel was. An angel was any spirit that was helpful or beneficial regardless of where it came from. So, um, you know, we talk about that and then going into using that same system, uh, looking at it from a Hebrew context, because that's where, you know, things really were kind of filtered in influentially, uh, and looking at their hierarchy of angels um, and saying, well, as a spiritual person, who do we work with and who do we want to avoid with that? Um, Why would archangels not really give a damn um, in certain situations and, you know, that kind of stuff? Um, And again, this is all coming from a a, uh, psychic perspective, a medium's perspective. So this is, um, it's a very different look at all of this than what we traditionally get in the occult. Um, so I'm really excited about it. And then, of course, talking about spirit guides and familiars and deities and all of that stuff in that third part of the book. So the Witch's Book of Power is all about power. I mean, it's all about helping the reader get through, make connections to power with the spirit world, make connections to power within themselves, and turn that thing that is inside of us that draws us to the occult and the preternatural into a superpower and quit letting it be our Achilles heel. And, and that's why I wrote that book, because I realized that that's what I had to do, and I, it's what I had been doing. Um, and uh, I realized that that's a lot of the work that I do with my students and with my clients, is just helping them kind of get through those, those things and discover their power. Um, and so it's, it, it covers power in a lot of different concepts and what it means. Um, but make no mistakes, you know, it's definitely the witch's book of power. It's a huge book. It's 408 pages long. Um, and it comes out on July 8th through Llewellyn. So, you know, absolutely, you can check out my website, um, and we start pre-orders next month. And so I'm really excited about that. Um, and then I just sat down to start working on book number two, which is The Witch's Book of Spirits. And that is going to – that's a huge undertaking um, because I wanted it to be kind of part field guide um, as much as it was a how-to, um, you know, kind of unfold as a medium, unfold as a necromancer. What's the difference between mediumship and necromancy? Um, you know, how do you work with this? You know, let's take it to the next level with this, with these spirit guides. Um, what do we do when we, you know, how do we prove that they, that they're there Well, we put them to the test? And so a big part of the book is actually, uh, showing you how to test your, your skills. Like, you know, you, you go and you, you have the spirits go get information for you and then you actually validate the information. Um, and that is, so, you know, you have proof that is in your hands that you can do this. Um, a lot of that kind of stuff. So that, that's in the book, um, along with like basically that field guide, which is a, a huge, huge, going to be a huge sex section. Um, and then there's there's something really special um, that I'm kind of um, I'm hoping makes it in the book. It might end up being its own book because it's becoming this huge thing. But I was um, contacted by a spirit uh, about a year ago uh, about w- channeling or, or, or working with 33 spirits. Um, who want to come through and specifically work with witches. Um, so 33 spirits. And, it, and it's been a very interesting ride with, with these beings. Um, I, I mean, really, really trippy stuff. I mean, I, stuff I never would have, have ever come across. Um, I have found in my work with this, even a friend of mine. Um, and I know, well, yours, both of you, you know, Eddie Gutierrez, Eddie's come through and Eddie's like, Oh, I want, I want to be in your book. You know, there's little things like this has been really trippy, and I'm really excited about it because um, we don't really get, unless we're looking at the Goetia or some of those um, more uh, kind of ceremonial aspects with the occult, you don't really get a manual on how to instruct spirits. 
uh, for witches because witches tend to be we tend to be a little bit more uh, less pomp and circumstance, a little more folk magic-y, things like that. So um, 33 spirits, and so it's all about you know that section will be all about working with the spirits themselves and who they are and what you know where they come from and um, all of the stuff that I've discovered with them. And it's it's it's, it's a trip. It's really freaking cool. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And then the last part of the book is actually about mastering the skills. And so what do you do? Once you're able to call upon a spirit and get them there and, okay, now what, you know, um, and so going through and really working with that. And, of course, included in all of this is going to be detailed information on how to do cleansings of your home and your house, exorcisms, the whole nine yards. And so my goal with this book is that it will be the only book you need when it comes to dealing with spirits as a witch that's the goal and that's a big undertaking so hopefully <laughs> i can i can do at least some justice um because that's kind of what the witch's book of power ended up being and so it's kind of following in that same thing so it's expected to be another big book um and i'm a, I'm, I'm already knee deep in it so uh, i'm really excited about that and that one will be probably out in the winter of uh, or not in the winter but again in the springtime of next year so yeah so it's kind of crazy it's, it's all happening <laughs> <laughs> wow that's wow. quite the schedule yeah. And and I have to say I'm glad somebody is finally just coming out and pointing to the truth we've all known. It's those Buddhists you gotta watch out for. That's right. That's right. They're in your wicca trying to steal your noob. See? Yeah. So it's uh yeah. No, I you know, I it's um I, one of the things that I think is the greatest part of, of being in the, the fringe spiritual society that we are is that, you know, you get to come in, you get what you need when you need it and you can go. And it's okay, you know, because we all get that we're all on a spiritual journey here, you know. Um, but, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Buddhists are it's usually let's put people to the come to it is Buddhism. I've noticed if they leave if they leave the occult. I mean, we'll we'll take any any joiners. Go. So <laughs> excellent, yeah, Devin. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. For 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 coming on the show, really appreciate, um, especially all of the uh, the tips for 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 budding and fledgling. Uh, mediums out there and how to be safe and so everyone who's thinking about doing that should probably pick up a copy first of the Witch's Book of Power coming out this spring and was it or is it no no this summer yep July 8th July 8th sorry and then the Witch's Book of Power in 2017 yep and but in but uh if they've you know so if they if they need to call the Ghostbusters but Egon and Winston are not available What's the best way to contact uh, you? You know, you can always uh, email me through the store, which is just info at themysticdream.com, or you can uh, get to me through my website, which is devinhunter.net. Um, and, you know, and there's always there's always somebody in your local area, too, so I can I can try to help you find them if, if not. Right on. Well, thank you so yeah. much. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Right on. And I see you've got some musical stylings for us that we picked out specifically <laughs> for this uh, episode, I believe. It's true. It's true. Uh, and I will just remind people, if you wanted to get into the queue for a reading, you can do that by connecting in from the show page, or you can call 646-716-5510. We will be coming right back with our Living the Queer Life segment, and then we will be uh, doing the readings after that. So you have a few minutes to get into the queue, but I would recommend going ahead and getting into it now. And so now enjoy this musical styling that undoubtedly is right on topic. All the girls on the-
You're listening to the Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist, with hosts Hi C and Charlie Harrington on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. Find out more at Facebook.com slash The Amethyst Oracle. Enjoy the show. And welcome back. We are just now recovering, in a good way, from our conversation with Devin Hunter. And that has brought us to our monthly Living the Queer Life segment. And I think a lot of what Devin was talking about is certainly apropos for what we can think about for this segment, just in the sense of, have we been doing our proper psychic and spiritual cleansing? Uh, Are we maintaining things in a regular way? Um, uh, And are we paying attention when we're feeling out of sorts in some way uh, and coming back to what it is that we need to be doing in order to feel more grounded, centered, um, clean um, in in, uh, both physically, but also emotionally, spiritually, and psychically. So our Living the Queer Life segment, if you've listened before, you know this, and if not, um, just to let you know, this is where Charlie and I each pull a card to say, how can we live uh, our queerest self in the coming month? And that just means how can we be our most individual, unique selves um, without compromise? How can we live most authentically in the coming month? So, Charlie, have you consulted your oracles, guides, and beyond? <laughs> yes, yes. I went to the the Oswald Worth Tarot, and um, as seen in the film uh, Sherlock Holmes and the uh, Something of Shadows, or uh, the, her Sherlock Holmes too. And the card actually really relates to a bit of what, uh, what we were talking about with Devin. The card is the moon card. And I, I think that's interesting because the moon... It has sort of a double meaning. Um, it popularly, um, today amongst a lot of readers, people think of like, okay, listening to your psychic information and receiving deep messages and following a path that you just know is true without even being able to understand it. Um, but, you know, one of the old, <laughs> uh, when Oswald uh, created the deck, one of the older ideas for this card was a bit about madness and, um, the idea that sometimes that psychic information can be too much. It can leave you a bit unhinged, uh, crazed. Um, So to be careful, um, so to be open to ideas, to be open to information, to be open to um, messages that you're receiving, but also making sure that um, you're practicing good psychic self-care this month as well. And the messages that you're receiving, receiving are, um, if you look at them, if you if you become the observer for a moment and look at them, they're for your greatest and highest good. They, they're not about um, superstition or um, paranoia or you know self-loathing. They're you know about really. Uh, about serving, they're they're messages that serve your life and serve you at this time. Does that make uh, a bit of sense? <laughs> it does. 
<clears throat> and I think it also ties in nicely with the card that came up for me as well. Um, and that is the King of Pentacles. And one thing that I think that that um, reminds us of is, you know, we we, we talk a lot uh, and certainly all of it is very useful and, and needed, but we talk a lot about using things like sage or salt or this incense or different things. Um, but the King of Pentacles also reminds us that part of uh, the, the self-care uh, is mm. also our physical body and its health and well-being as well. Mm. And the King of Pentacles really says this is a month to focus on how to have and maintain ourselves in the healthiest, strongest, fittest way possible. Um, and it also says having the uh, structure, just like Devin was talking about, having a structure that we work within so that we are doing things on a regular basis, that we are maintaining them, um, paying attention to the things that we eat and drink and, and put into our bodies because those are also going to affect us on an energetic level uh, and on a psychic and spiritual level. So uh, we really want to focus on are we, you know, because it really is kind of even energetically that idea of we are what we eat is certainly mm -hmm. very um, apropos. Mm -hmm. And I think that this card really points that out um, because a lot of the foods and things that we tend to eat can create kind of a, they have kind of a numbing effect, I guess you could say. And if, if we're feeling physically kind of dragging or uh, not as um, healthy or energetic as we would like to or we normally do, then that also means that energetically we're going to, A, perhaps not be as in tune with our intuition, but also that we um, may be more vulnerable to unwanted or unhealthy things being able to more easily have access to us. Because King of Pentacles also would say we need to be very grounded during this month. Um, it's also a card that is about abundance a lot of times, so it reminds us to recognize everything that we already have rather than focusing on what we don't have and focusing on what is there, what we really are capable of, rather than getting too caught up in what we think are our weaknesses or inadequacies or something like that. Um, but also that there is an abundance of um, uh, things around us that we can use. And it doesn't, because Pentacles is very practical, it doesn't have to be these exotic things. It can just be like with the Asafoetida. It could just be something that's right there already in our spice cabinet. So let's focus on the abundance of things already existing in our practical world around us that we can use for our spiritual practice and also how do we embody our spiritual practice and put it into everyday living and use and action. Um, and, of course, in order to do that, we need to be as clear as possible so we can see that and, and know where and how and when that is and also so that we can do that in the best way possible. Um, so, it's not to say, since we're in the holiday time, it's not to say don't enjoy yourself, you know, have a holiday drink, uh, you know, enjoy those holiday desserts, but focus on a good balance, 
um, and moderation so that we don't have this like sugar overload so that we don't have, you know, 13 <laughs> days that we wake up with hangovers and are foggy because we've been enjoying ourselves a bit too much at every holiday party every night for the rest of the month. Um, be practical and pragmatic and, you know, connect to the earth more. If you're feeling a bit out of sorts, go and sit by a tree, go and touch the earth, go and reconnect with that solid, natural uh, ground and world around us. And that will, um, I think, help us to to live our most authentic self because it says that our most authentic self really is there and comes through when we are at our healthiest, clearest, fittest, uh, and we want to put extra effort in this month in order to maintain that. So, you know, this is not the time to slack off on going for our daily walk or going to the gym on a regular basis because we're probably going to be enjoying and indulging in things uh, a bit more than usual, what with holiday parties and dinners and all that kind of thing. So let's not let it slide and say, oh, I'll make a resolution after the first of the year to get back into the routine. Let's not break the routine this month so that there is nothing we have to get back into versus we maintain it and it just continues to be a natural part of what we do. That'll actually allow us to enjoy those indulgences more rather than to feel bad or feel guilty um, or even to get sick from the indulgences. So that's what I would offer there <laughs> uh, for what the King of Pentacles is saying regarding the upcoming month. So we're going to take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, if you want to get into the queue for a reading, you can do so by connecting in from the show page or calling 646-716-5510, and that will be coming up just after the break. So we will see you on the other side. Love. I'm like, boy, stop. Run it back. Make a big guy keep it. Can you play that? 
the guys, those little boys making all that noise, but you ain't gonna steal the show. No fancy cars or bass guitars, skeletons still smoking off the guards, uh, just play that song I know, take a deep breath and blow. Get loose, get right, get rhythm right, get on It was, wasn't it? Oh, I love that song. <laughs> I felt, you know, we just, with both of the songs tonight, we just needed something that was up and unadulterated pop to get us moving and grooving and in a happy mood. Right on. <laughs> I love it. So, has anyone decided that they would like to consult our um, mystic wisdom? <laughs> well, I, I believe everyone has decided to simply go to the, the spirit side. And either that or they've all figured out everything in their lives. And they, they need no guidance or information whatsoever. Uh, well, that's all right. I mean, we just told them everything that they need to know about. So taking care of self physically, taking care of self psychically, um, burn the devil dung. Let's review. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Double done, um, and be prepared. So, um, tarot readers, tarot readers, January is the time of the year when everybody wants to know how they're going to have a better a better time at it the, the, the next time round. So, um, just sort of be thinking about, as you get closer and closer, the readings you'd like to do. It's lovely to start the year with some divination and uh, some goal setting and sort of map the the canvas of the next year. It's a fantastic time for astrology. If you have an astrologer you like to do um, little check-ins um, with, but it's also, you know, for, for, uh, for tarot doing those sort of bigger look-ahead kind of things. So, and if you, do you have a favorite method? Well, I was just going to say, if you if you have or have not ever um, partaken of a reading of some sort, be it tarot, astrology, etc., then this can also be a good time to do that, to use it to kind of look forward, to kind of map out uh, what's coming and how to proceed through the year. Uh, so I would encourage people to think about... Um, using that as part of their process for moving into the new calendar year and uh, how to structure and plan things by 
accessing some of that wisdom and information and guidance that is there in the unseen realms that we may not be consciously aware of but can help to flesh out what we need to know and how we can best proceed as successfully as possible. Wonderful. All righty. So, I see it has been a distinct pleasure. I look forward uh, to speaking again in 2016 about the infinite possibilities that that year holds for us. And also a special thank you to Devin Hunter for taking time tonight to join us and certainly uh, illuminate many things for us about uh, both the spirit realm in general and ways to work with that and also some really good, useful, practical tips uh, on how to do some things related to that. Um, So thank you everyone for listening. And I will remind you, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Amethyst Oracle. <laughs> you can also email us, theamethystorical at gmail.com. Uh, my name is Hi C. If you want to find out about me or information or to set up a private session with me, you can visit net or email me hi-c at net. And for you, Charlie, what would be the best way for them to contact uh, you? Now, if someone needs to contact me, they must speak their uh, most secret desires to an acorn and bury that acorn um, and water the plot of land with the blood from their left uh, ring finger. And in three days, uh, I will receive your message. You know, I'm I'm so glad you keep it so simple and practical. I really thank thank you for that. Who wants to deal with Twitter or anything like that and all those retweets? Yes, acorn, blood, it'll be fine. Exactly. So we wish everyone a very merry and happy and amazing and enjoyable holiday season. Happy everything. And and we will look forward to having you join us next year uh, in January, uh, second Tuesdays of every month. So we will be here once again for your listening pleasure uh, on uh, Tuesday, January 12th. So thank you for listening, and we will look forward to being with you again next time. I'm High C, signing off, and I will do so for Charlie as well. This is the Amethyst Oracle. The Amethyst Oracle. Divination with a queer twist. Divination with a queer twist. The Amethyst Oracle. Thank you for joining us. This program was brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Deb Caracella. Please join us next time on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E for Revolution with Haishu Lutner. Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m.